What's going on, my people? What's good? What's happening? How you living? And if you do not know who I am, or if you're new to this podcast, show, whatever you want to call it, I am Brandon Alexander, and this is The Issue Podcast. You know, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, on this show, um, I just talk about mental health and illnesses and just bringing the education to the forefront. Uh, Previously, not this last episode, but the episode before last, I was talking about navigating through relationships. Thank you. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the love. I was talking about navigating through relationships and things of that nature. We're not necessarily just navigating through relationships, but dating someone with mental illnesses and how y'all can better foster a relationship, whether it just be romantic, platonic, or just family. And um, it was a long, long list for real. Like, I just could not knock all that stuff off in one episode. Like, legit, that episode alone was like over an hour. So I was like, all right, bet, let me do this. I'm going to come back to it because I know it's sweet. I know it's good. I know it's ripened. I know it's giving you a little taste of something that you really want to hear and know about. So this is the part two to that. So for my people who are waiting, uh, have been waiting, or if you're a new listener and you may not get fully what I'm trying to get into or what I'm trying to talk about, well, go visit that episode. It literally was a call navigating, I think, navigating through relationships with mental illnesses. Something of that nature. I'm not looking at my notes, so I can't really tell y'all. But um, I, before we get into it, I hope that you're doing well. I hope you're doing okay. Uh, beyond just relationships, I think you should understand the relationship with self and know that you are important. So if you feel like you're off, if you feel like you're not feeling even, <sighs> the number one thing I always tell people is to try to pray. Um, try, and if you don't have a spiritual belief or any belief of that nature, just try meditation, giving yourself the space to free your mind and not think of anything can really give you, um, vacancy or even peace. And then once you get out of that, then talk to a friend or a professional. That's my always number go to. And if you don't know a professional, you can go to there's hotlines available that you can call and reach out to. But I would any more further ado, those are my little disclaimers before we get into this episode. Um, I hope y'all good, man, because I really have been working. I really have been trying to give you more of what you need and more of what you want to, you know, talk about, hopefully. Well, not even talk about, but just listen to. Because, you know, with podcasts, I feel like they're just like, they are talk shows to me. They're just, the traditional version of it is just like you listen to it. So this is like an audio. So you just listen to people talk and do whatever you do or learn or whatever, you know. But anyway, so the title of this, well, not the subtitle of what I'm about to get into is basically communication and support. So I really wanted to talk about the emphasis of the significance of being open and honest with your partner. This can be very vital and, you know, getting into the nooks and crannies of what y'all want to do and how y'all want to do it. All right. So first and foremost, you got to build trust. Building trust requires transparency and communication, which fosters trust between the partners. When you openly share your thoughts, feelings, and concerns, 
it shows that you trust your partner enough to be vulnerable. This trust forms a strong foundation for a lasting and secure relationship. Number two, understanding each other. Communication allows partners to truly understand each other's perspectives, experiences, and emotions. By actively listening and expressing yourself, you gain insight into each other's motivations and intentions. Number three, conflict resolutions. It's inevitable, you know, to not have any type of conflict in any relationship. But open communication provides a platform where you can address disagreements constructively. Sharing your feelings and opinions honestly helps prevent misunderstandings from escalating to major issues. Number four, preventing assumptions. Without communication, assumptions can take root, leading to misinterpretations and unnecessary misleadings. Or not necessarily unnecessary misleadings, but misunderstandings. Openly discussing thoughts ensures that both partners are on the same page, reducing room for mis. Um, Why well, I'm stuttering? <laughs> Reduces room for mis. Um, cons- 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 God, I can't even get a word out of my mouth, man. Excuse me, y'all. It's been a long day, but it reduces room for like misunderstanding, basically. Number five. Support in difficult times. When one partner is dealing with challenges, whether related to mental health or other aspects of life, open conversation is key. Expressing your feelings and seeking support ensures that your partner understands your needs and can offer assistance when required. Number six, fostering intimacy. Emotional intimacy is nourished through open communication. Sharing your fears, dreams, and vulnerabilities creates a deep bond between partners that goes beyond the surface level connection. Another one is promoting empathy. Transparent communication allows partners to step into each other's shoes, fostering intimacy and understanding. Not intimacy, fostering empathy and understanding. When you openly discuss your feelings, it becomes easier to relate to what your partner actually is experiencing. And number eight is encouraging growth. So relationships provide opportunities for personal growth. And to be honest, the conversation about goals, aspirations and ideas for improvement enables both partners to evolve individually and together. Um, Number nine, strengthening connection. Meaningful conversations help maintain a strong emotional connection between partners. It's through sharing experiences, stories, and emotions, you can continuously bond and reinforce your relationship. And number 10, I would say, is creating a safe space. An environment where open communication ensures that both partners feel safe expressing themselves without a fear of judgment. This safe space creates an openness and vulnerability. But basically what I'm trying to get at is in summary with all this, 
excuse me, y'all. <laughs> Open and honest communication serves as a vital lifeline in any relationship. It enables partners to create and connect on a deeper level, navigating challenges and celebrate joys together. This cultivating effect of communication skills is an investment that plays off in the form of a stronger, more resilient and fulfilling partnership. So I really wanted to get into discussing like how healthy communication can help both partners express their feelings and needs without judgment. So healthy communication is a foundational pillar of any successful relationship. It provides a safe and open platform for both partners to express their feelings and needs without the fear of judgment. Hear how healthy communication facilitates this. So one way is active listening. For example, how you listening to me on this podcast and you tuned in. I appreciate you and I love you. But back to the point. <laughs> healthy communication involves active listening where your partners generally pay attention to what the other is saying. This creates an environment where both partners feel valued and understood. Number two, non-judgmental attitude. Healthy communication creates a non-judgmental attitude where partners refrain from criticizing or jumping to conclusions about each other's feelings. It creates a safe space where emotions can be expressed without fear or negative reactions or basically fear of those negative reactions. Number three is empathy and understanding. So effective communication fosters and enables partners to put themselves in each other's shoes. This understanding reduces the likelihood of judgment, not saying it takes it away completely, but the likelihood of it as you recognize that everyone's feelings and experiences are actually valid. Next is I statements. Using I statements instead of the accusatory language prevents blame and judgment. For example, saying I feel when rather than saying you always promotes open dialogue without putting the other person on the defense. Number five, validation. Healthy communication involves validating each other's emotions. Acknowledging your partner's feelings without dismissing or belittling them creates an open atmosphere of acceptance. Number six, <clears throat> expressing vulnerability. Partners can openly express vulnerability when they know they won't be judged. Sharing fears, insecurities, and concerns become easier, allowing for deeper emotional connections. Number seven, solution for... Ugh getting tongue twisted solution focused in non-judgmental communication the focus is on finding solutions rather than blaming partners collaborate to address issues constructively instead of dwelling on who is at fault number eight clarification so partners can ask for clarification and provide an explanation without fear of criticism. This clarifies intentions and prevent misunderstandings that might otherwise lead to judgment. 
Number nine, setting boundaries. Honest communication allows both partners to set and respect boundaries. Each person's needs and comfort levels are acknowledged, promoting a sense of safety within the relationship. Number 10, open dialogue. Establishing a pattern of open dialogue encourages ongoing communication. When partners regularly share their thoughts and feelings without judgment, it becomes a natural and healthy part of the relationship. Number 11, problem solving. So partners collaborate to find solutions through open dialogue. This approach reduces defensiveness and encourages joint problem solving rather than placing blame. And for the last one I thought of was basically celebrating differences. So in a non-judgmental communication, differences are celebrated rather than criticized. Partners recognize that their unique perspectives are contributed to basically the richness of the relationship. So in conclusion... A healthy communication can create an environment where both partners can openly express their feelings and needs without the fear of judgment by embracing active listening, empathy, and a non-judgmental attitude. Partners can lay the foundation for a strong and trusting relationship where both voices are heard and respected. So I wanted to also get into like highlighting the importance of seeking professional help for both individuals and as well as a couple. So, you know, you need help, but we don't know how to reach out for it. So I thought, all right, let me set this, this basic scheme up, not necessarily scheme up, set some blueprints up so you can better yet know how to get what you need to get. All right. So for individuals, expert guidance, Uh, I think you should go to mental health professionals who pose specialized knowledge and skills that address various challenges from managing mental health conditions to cope with stress and life changes. And number two, also, you got to look at the objective perspective. So professionals offer an objective viewpoint that friends or families may not provide. They can also help individuals gain clarity and insight on their thoughts and emotions and behavior. Another good reason you should go for individuals, uh, if you're an individual and you're trying to go on your own time, basically, what I'm trying to say, <laughs> is basically skill building. So therapy equips individuals with coping strategies, communication skills, and emotional regulation techniques that can enhance your overall well-being and their interactions within relationships. Number four is personal growth. So therapy promotes self-awareness and personal growth. It encourages individuals to explore their values, beliefs, and aspirations where they can positively impact their relationships. And number five, my fifth reason for going, if you just want to go on your own time, is basically reducing burdens on partners. So seeking professional help is an alternative to basically putting the pressure on your partner to fulfill a role besides just being your loved one and a therapist. You know what I'm saying? So if you go to therapy, it allows the relationship to become more balanced and uh, a lesson 
lessens the risk of burnout, you know, from just weighing all that issue and trauma and things like that. Small story. I'm going to get in it and get out of it real quick because I got to give, you know, reasons why couples should go. But basically, um, I remember my first serious relationship and it really wasn't even a relationship. It was almost like a situational type of thing. But I was really digging on this girl I was I was dating and I, I used to unpack a lot of emotional trauma on her because I just, she would just want to know and she would just be wanting to be in my ear and she'd be like under me. So it's like, all right, it was so natural and easy. But looking back on it, I overburdened her with that information and news because it's like, I couldn't just go to someone else. I just had to give it to her because like I'm so comfortable and vulnerable with her already. So it was just natural for me to give her the rest of the spill. Looking back on that now, I understand I realized that kind of ruined that relationship because I needed her as a therapist as much as I needed her as my girl, too, which was not good and not healthy. But I digress. <clears throat> so for couples, all right, one reason, the number one reason you should go is improved communication. So couples therapy provides a structured setting for partners to learn effective communication techniques which reduces misunderstandings and conflicts so you know sometimes you try to get something across and you thinking you saying it in a loving way but no you're kind of coming disrespectful but you don't know that because that's just how you was raised well going to couples therapy can help teach you how to debunk that and get out of that scheme of doing that Number two is conflict resolutions. So professionals provide couples with resolving conflict construction. I'm getting so tongue twisted, y'all. I usually be having water when I do these podcasts, but I'm trying to dry throat pause. (laughs) This is so funny when I say that dry throat. But whatever. I'm trying to not drink no water. I was trying to go in and help y'all, but it's a lot of talking, so my mouth get dried out while I'm trying to give y'all this good information but i digress so number two is conflict resolutions so basically professionals can provide couples in resolving conflicts constructively uh, preventing issues from escalating into a larger problems number three is rekindling intimacy so therapy can basically help couples rediscover this emotional and physical intimacy by addressing factors that may be more impacting in their connection number four is basically navigating transitions so life transitions must so life transitions happen like such as marriage parenting or even career changes it can screen relationships so seeking professional guidance during these times can help couples navigate more smoothly number five is healing and forgiving professionals can assist in healing from past hurts fostering forgiveness and building a stronger foundation for the future number six in therapy couples can collaboratively set relationship goals ensuring that both partners are on the same page regarding their aspirations and expectations. Number seven, I thought was dope because, you know, it's addressing mental health changes. So if one or two other partners, well, I'm saying two because it's just two people, whatever, but you know, it might be a, a polygamy thing too. So you never know, whatever. Um, so basically <laughs> if you are, both of you are dealing with mental health issues, right? And, you don't know how to manage it. Therapy can basically provide a safe space to navigate these challenges together and foster and understand 
how to support it, and better yet, how to move with it. Number eight, which is the last point I want to make with like couples, is basically strengthening resilience. So through therapy, couples learn how to understand coping with stress and adversities while making their relationship more resilient over time. But the overall benefit of therapy in general are getting professional help. Rather, is it's a neutral space where seeking professional support offers a neutral environment to discuss sensitive topics, reducing defensiveness, and promoting productive conversations. Number two, it's prevention. So therapy isn't just addressing problems. It's also being preventive. It's regulated check-ins with a therapist where you can help identify and address issues before they escalate. Number three is investment in well-being. So basically seeking professional help is literally demonstrating a commitment to personal growth, mental health, and your overall health in that relationship. Um, Number four, validation. So like professional validation not professional validation, excuse my language. So professionals validate individuals and couples' experiences and help them feel heard and understood. So in conclusion, seeking professional help is basically good for you, whether you're an individual or a couple, because it's basically a proactive step towards nurturing healthy relationships and personal well-being. It provides tools, guidance, and insights needed to overcome challenges and improve communication and build strong fulfilling partnerships which is very vital but if it's not vital enough let me give you some more stuff so i thought it was important to also get into how we can provide information on therapy options counseling and resources available for couples to deal with their mental health challenges so Couples dealing with like mental health challenges have various therapy options and resources available to support their relationships and individual well-being. But here are some therapy options and resources if you need them. So number one is couples therapy or marriage counseling. Couples therapy focuses on improving communication, resolving conflict and enhancing intimacy within the relationship. Therapists work with both partners to address issues and explore underlying dynamics and providing tools for healthier interactions. These type of therapies can be beneficial for couples dealing with mental health challenges that impact their relationship. So number two, individual therapy. Each partner may benefit from individual therapy to address their personal mental health concern. Individual therapy allows for the focus and attention on one's unique challenges and helps build coping strategies and emotional resilience. Number three, online therapy platforms. Online therapy platforms like BetterHelp, which is expensive. I'm not going to lie. BetterHelp is very expensive. But if you got insurance, it might help you out a little bit. I don't got none. So I'm just saying. But um, <laughs> Talkspace and Regain offer a comprehensive access to therapists specializing in couples and individual counseling. These are particularly useful for couples who have busy schedules or prefer the privacy of virtual sessions. 
Number four, group therapy. Some health, some mental health challenges such as anxiety or depression can address through group therapy. Participating in group therapy sessions with others who share similar experiences can provide a sense of belonging and support. Number five, family therapy. In case where mental health challenges impact the, the entire family dynamic, family therapy can be valuable. This type of therapy addresses family dynamics and communication patterns and coping strategies to foster understanding and harmony. Another is support groups. Support groups for couples dealing with similar challenges can offer a sense of community and share understanding. Many organizations and online platforms host support groups for various mental health issues. Another is educational workshops. So many therapists and organizations offer workshops and seminars on topics related to mental health and relationships. These workshops provide a practical tools and insights on managing challenges. Another is community mental health centers. Your local mental health center offers affordable therapy options for individuals and couples. They may even consider or have sliding scale fees based on your income. Number 10 is employee assistant program. So this is basically done through your job. It's like a workplace provided type of offer that's that's confidential services from an employer and their families. So these programs can be valuable resources for couples. And the last one is the local university or training clinics. Universities with psychology or counseling programs offer training clinics at low cost or sliding scale therapy services to provide a supervised graduate provided by supervised graduate students, my bad. But overall it's important to research and find therapy or resources that specialize in couple therapy and mental health challenges that's are relevant to your situation. Remember to seek professional help is proactive and it's a step towards improving your relationship and your overall well-being so don't get too in the mix of you not finding it or you not figuring it out the right way but i also want to discuss the need for reevaluating the traditional and the expectations within relationships when dealing with mental health issues this thing go deep i told y'all so that's why i had to cut this thing in two pieces because it's a lot that goes into this and i need you to really be writing this down so if you don't have a pencil and paper or at least be in your notes while you're listening to this podcast you're doing yourself a disservice i'm just saying i'm just saying but anyway Like dealing with mental health issues within a relationship has necessities of, you know, re-evaluations of the traditional roles and expectations. But basically, like with mental health challenges on the impact of various aspects, aspects of partnership, it makes it critical to adapt and redefine roles to reassure the well-being of both partners. 
So here is why reevaluating is so essential. Changing dynamics is the number one thing I want to get into. So like when you think about mental health challenges, it can lead into a fluctuation in emotions, energy levels, and abilities. So traditional roles may not align with these changing dynamics causing a strain on both partners. Number two is basically shared responsibilities. So reevaluating roles encourages more of an equitable distribution of responsibility. Partners can collaborate to ensure that their daily tasks and obligations are manageable, preventing one partner from feeling overwhelmed. So remember how I was talking about um just doing too much emotionally and just veering off of my partner or better yet you got i'm gonna go talk to the fellas because i can only get on the guys so all right you paying all the bills but you if you're in a situation with your old lady and you, you paying all the bills but you got her literally physically doing everything like bro that's still putting a screen on her like even though you paying bills you can still help her out with the trash you can still help her out with cleaning up you can still help her out with like setting up the food and having something ready for dinner you know what i'm saying simple stuff but it's none of my business it's not my place and i'm not in your relationship so i can't speak on that but back to the point at hand <clears throat> number three reducing stress Mental health challenges often come with uh, added stress by redefining roles and partners can basically reduce stress by sharing responsibilities. So like I was talking about, like going helping her out every now and then, or if y'all ain't even in that situation where y'all live together, doing stuff that really helps lessen the person's stress levels. Like, hey, did you get your homework done? Or hey, I know you had to do this project, so I did some research for you to make the project a lot more easier. Things of that nature. Um, number four, basically preventing resentment. Traditional gender roles and expectations can lead to resentment if one partner feels burdened by tasks that are not well suited to their current circumstance. So say, for instance, ladies, you got a dude, you know, he broke his head. He ain't got no money for real, but you ain't with him for the money. You with him because you really like him. You want to deal with him. But he feels pressured to do, uh, x y and z for you and pay for x y and z for you even though he ain't got no money for real um a way you can switch it up is by doing things that aren't really cost effective or having that conversation head on and you know addressing it like i said i don't really want to get into the advisory part of telling y'all what to do because it's y'all life and half of y'all gonna do it any damn way and then still complain to me about it and i ain't your counselor i ain't I am not a professional. I keep telling... Let me... Let me over... I am not a professional, okay? I am an advocate. An advocate means I spread the message, I give you resources, and I have healthy conversations supporting you in your choices. Keyword, supporting you in your choices. So don't come to me in my DMs like half of y'all love to do and tell me about what happened and what was because it didn't work for you. Hey, you shouldn't have been all in on what I said. What I say, you 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 basically take it with a healthy ear. You know what I'm saying? Everything don't got to apply to you or everything ain't necessarily left and right. Sometimes you got to really just listen with discernment. And if you don't understand what discernment is or know what's actually beneficial for you, then that's when you go to, to these resources I'm telling you about. Going to therapy, going to people that can really help you. Like, 
my my platform is a resource. It's not the answer, but it's like a resource. So yeah. Um, but back to who I was getting to. I'm sorry about ranting. Whew. My bad, y'all. <laughs> uh, number six, number five, supportive environment. So a redefined approach to roles is create a more supportive environment where both parties can openly communicate their needs and challenges. Number six, empowerment. For partners with mental health challenges, reevaluating roles can empower them to collaborate in a way that aligns to their abilities and energy levels, fostering a sense of accomplishment. Number seven, promoting openness. So challenging traditional roles encourages open conversation about impact the impact of mental health on the relationship. This openness promotes an understanding and empathy between partners. Number eight, adapting to fluctuations. So mental health conditions can be unpredictable like a mug, but by reevaluating roles, partners can adapt to the fluctuations and provide the necessary support without compromising their own well-being. Number nine, fostering equality. So reevaluating roles fosters equality within the relationship, emphasizing for both partners to share responsibilities for maintaining the partnership, regardless of internal factors. Number 10, encouraging flexibility. Traditional roles can be rigid, while mental health challenges can, demands can be flexible. Oh, my neck, y'all. By redefining roles, partners can be more flexible and responding to each other's needs. 11. Focus on well-being. Ultimately, the goal in the well-being of is the well-being of both partners, to be for real. But by adapting to prioritizing mental health and emotional health, the relationship becomes a more supportive space for growth and healing. Last point I wanted to make, challenging societal norms. Reevaluating the role challenges societal norms by contributing to the stigma around mental health and unequal expectations within the relationship. So in a nutshell, reevaluating the traditional roles and expectations within this relationship or any relationship rather with mental health issues, well, not issues, with mental illnesses is essential for creating a supportive, understanding, and adaptive partnership. It allows both partners to navigate challenges together, prioritize well-being, and build a relationship that is resilient and built on empathy and mutual support. You can do this if you really try. Okay, so let's talk about encouraging partners to support each other while allowing room for personal growth and self-care. So supporting each other while prioritizing personal growth and self-care is essential for maintaining a healthy, fulfilled relationship. Here's why and how partners can strive this balance. Number one is the importance of mutual support. Strengthening through unity, supporting each other through challenges strengthens the bond between partners and fosters a sense of unity and solidarity. 
Number two, emotional connection. Being each other's pillars of support deepens emotional intimacy and trust, allowing for open communication. And another one is resilience. Both partners provide support. It helps navigate life's ups and downs with greater resilience. Another part we need to look into and focus on is nurturing personal growth and self-care. We can do this by respecting individual goals. When you recognize and respect each other's individual goals, passions, and aspirations outside of the relationship, it can help build. Another way we can do it is encouraging the pursuit of interests. So supporting your partner's pursuits of hobbies, interests, and personal projects that contribute to their personal growth. You know, that is it's not necessarily just stuff that's benefiting you both or just stuff that you may like as well. It's, it's like sometimes you got to, you know, think about the other person. Uh, another part is healthy boundaries. So establishing clear boundaries that allow each other to have personal time and space for self-care and reflection. So like I know sometimes when you get into this space with being with your person and you just, you don't want your alone space because sometimes some people, not all, but some people lose their identity because they're so wrapped up into making that relationship or that bond be, I don't know, whatever they projected in their minds. But that's like, when you think about it that way, you're thinking about it in a space that's creating an anxious attachment. Or if you're thinking about it in a space where you uh, gotta have the perfect relationship and it just gotta be so, whatever you got in your mind, you're not allowing the relationship to truly manifest purely. You're giving it um, way, you're giving the relationship more control than it needs to have. You, you, you wanna have so healthy boundaries because it allows you to grow for yourself and really value yourself. And it allows that person to do the same for them. Because even though you are trying to create a union, the union doesn't really happen or establish until marriage. But I'm, I'm saying that because I have a, a biblical, more mindset when it comes into relationships. So it may not be the case for you. You may not like it. You may not look at marriage. You may not like marriage. And um, that's your thing. But um, for me, how I look at it, I think about it like the union of it. Like y'all just getting to know each other. Y'all, y'all, how can I say it? Like you change over time. What I'm basically saying, you change over time. You like different things. You explore different things and you know different things. So as you grow, you need to allow the other person to grow in their way. And as y'all growing together, you can learn more and you can create more by just having the self-care and the reflection in space and time to give that person as well as yourself. Another thing you need to look at is prioritizing your well-being. So this is encouraging and facilitating practices that prioritize mental, emotional, and physical well-being for both partners. Um, like, you know, whether it be exercise, whether it be going to talk to people who are well-trained and specialize in mental health or uh, psychiatrical practices. Um, open communication. So regularly communicating about your personal goals, self-care routines, and many challenges you're facing. And then another pillar we got to look at is just scribing for balance. 
So you can do this by having effective communication, like discussing how you can support each other's individual goals while maintaining the strengthening, while maintaining the strength of your relationship and scheduling check-ins. So you know how sometimes y'all just be talking like, no, like actually get in depth, like, like, all right, this time of the day or maybe this time of the week, I want to have a check-in with you. And this check-in is, you know, about personal goals, relationship dynamics, and just adjustments that's needed to make you feel better as well as me. Or maybe it's just that person. It don't necessarily got to benefit you. But, you know, because sometimes you, everything's good on your end. You just don't know how other people are feeling or what they got going on for real. Because I know for men, sometimes we just don't speak up. We don't do this. We don't do that. But I feel like, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak on this because I've had women talk to me about this. So, like, if you're dealing with a dude and he really don't open up with you, he don't really talk to you for real, I feel like most of the times he's not really feel, he doesn't feel secure with you. He doesn't feel safe with you. And just because he lay with you and just because he have a uh, air quoted sensitive conversation with you, that does not mean he feels safe with you. I mean, feeling safe and being comfortable is two different things. You, you want to feel safe around a man because of the things that he can provide and bring to you. But to make a man feel safe around you, it requires a special and different characteristics. And I'm not going to get on here and tell you what you need to do or how you need to do it because it, it's so unique. Every man doesn't operate the same. Every person doesn't think the same. So if he's not really opening up with you and he's not really, I guess, being transparent with you, then it, it's just something you're going to have to work on and try to build out of him. And Another thing going into working on and building out of, I want you to to understand this and hear this as well. You can't make everybody do something that they are not ready for or not comfortable with. So if you're beating yourself up and you can't do it and it's not working, it's okay to say, hey, it's not going to work. But not saying it's not going to work in the sense of y'all got to break up or it's not a good relationship. That's just a patch that you may have to either overcome eventually or something that you notice and you can at least be aware of versus you playing and lying to yourself or manipulating the truth. You know where I'm coming from? If not, DM me, let me know. I, I'll make another episode going into that. But um, back to the topic, <clears throat> scribing for balance. So another way we can do this is shared activities. So engaging in activities where both partners enjoy fostering togetherness while nurturing personal growth. So one thing about me, some people may know or may not, I like to cook. So whenever I'm with my lady, I want to cook. I want to do stuff. Like, I'll be like, um, can we make a meal together? And I just love that time because it's just like I get to see how she throw, how she throw down. She gets to see how I throw down. Because, like, me personally, I'm a presentation type of dude. So when I cook food, I want my food to look like, you getting it off of Instagram reel or something like that. And she more so like soulful. So like she she care about taste. She care about like, you know, like your grandma and them type style cooking. So it, it would go together good, though, because it'd be like moments where I'd be on something like, nah, you got to do this. And she'd be like, nah, you got to do that. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I'm exaggerating, by the way. I don't got no girl. I don't got no girl. <laughs> 
<laughs> Woo! You gotta speak it into existence, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that boy, wow. Don't mind me, I'm slow. Um, Another thing is empathy. So understanding personal growth can involve challenges, setbacks, and changes in priorities. Shared empathy and patience. So challenges. Like I was just telling you before, you noticing that they're not that that man that you're dating is not as open with you or he's not um, as vulnerable with you. It's not necessarily saying that the relationship has to break up. It's literally just saying that, hey, that's something that you noticed and you have to give. You got to give him time to want to be open and want to be transparent. All right. So I can't give advice for fellas on to fellas on women because, like, I'm not a woman. I can only give my personal experience with some of the women I dealt with, but that's not all women. So I won't get on here and tell you guys about some of these women because that'll be a disservice. But I can say what I've noticed that's a generalized thing for most women that I've met, known, and been around is the key thing with any relationship, whether it be romantic or uh, platonic, um, I try my best to make sure I respect that woman I'm around and I provide a sense of security, whether it be physical or emotional, because I want, I don't know, I, for me, I just, I strive to make people feel comfortable. And that's just the personality that God has given me. And I just try to give off. I don't want to be, I don't try to come off like I'm a gangster. I don't try to come off like I'm scary. I'm intimidating. I want to be a symbol of love. So the best way I do that is being respectful. So when you're around these young ladies, you're around these women, you be respectful. You can even call her ma'am, even if she's younger than you, older than you, the same age or close. Give her respect. And just, you know, um, open the door. Open the door for her, even if you don't know her, even if she got a little nasty attitude. I'm not saying you got to do it all the time. But I'm just saying, like, simple things you can do to allow people to know that you are empathetic. Because naturally, as a young man, we give, or as a young black man, they think we are not empathetic. Or we think we're rash, we're rude, we're disrespectful. So it's just small things you can do with your girl or just with people in general that you meet, with women in general, that can help people show that you have empathet- that you have empathy and patience. You know what I'm saying? And an uh, example in a dynamic where you with your girl, and she just talking, 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 talking. Because, you know, some of these women love to talk, boy. I swear. Uh, <laughs> be like, um, ooh, ooh, I got some. Don't steal my sauce. I know y'all going to steal it anyway. I'm giving y'all game. It's cool. It's cool. I know the older dude's going to steal my sauce too, but I'm going to give you game. So, all right, this is what you do, right? Instead of her talking about her day, be like, hey, baby, you know, I really love hearing you talk about your day, but I really would rather... A moment where we can just write out the highlights of our day and when y'all write that thing out you write it with her you don't just have her write you write your day out too and then um after you write it out you switch papers right but the key thing is you only writing highlights so you're not going in deep and then when y'all when y'all switch papers say you pick one thing that you didn't know or one thing that you find interesting to talk about. And then y'all switch stories. So you talk about it for 30 minutes, she talk about it for 30 minutes type thing. And it gives a, it, it puts a switch 
for me on the sharing aspect of talking and getting to know each other or just getting into each other's day while also bringing a simple uniqueness to it. Now, some people don't have the patience to do this practice or write it out, but I feel like it's just dope, especially if y'all don't live together. Cause me, I don't live with none of my females that I date or I'm in a relationship with. Like if we go together, um, that doesn't give you an excuse to stay at my house. <laughs> I don't give you an excuse. I'm sorry. Um, the only way you staying over here is if we married with some kids, but I digress. That's your life. There's your personal choices. You do how you do, but moving on, uh, number five, celebrating achievements. So celebrate each other's milestones and accomplishments while they're personal or shared. So whether they just got a new job, um, hell, they changed up their hairstyle. Like, and she like, you know what I'm saying? Celebrate your boo, bro. Like, she says up her hairstyle, acknowledge that. Uh, sis, when you see that man got that hair cut, you know, brag. Be like, ooh, put a paper bag over his face. Like, ooh, my man can't be outside type. You know what I mean? You like, ride that dick like you do. Already do. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, let me shut up. Oh, let me shut up. Uh, all right. So next one is independence and togetherness so embracing the balance between the independence and the togetherness allow rooms to solidate uh, allow room for solitude and personal exploration while also cherishing shared moments so still being able to identify yourself as an individual while also knowing your personal growth is important. So that's what that's basically saying. Like knowing how to do your own thing, but then on the back end, also having space and room to become two. Cause I feel like it's always, I feel like we're younger dating couples. And I think even with older dating couples too, like people, when they get together, Ooh, this is a good talking point. Okay. So I feel like, Younger couples, they push a lot of togetherness. So when they get together, they want to do a lot of things like moving in, doing a lot of the fast adult things to feel like they are in a secured relationships. While older couples, and I'm saying older couples, like the people that are in their mid-30s or 30s and later 20s on down, they get together and they they also push togetherness as well because they're pushing it in the space of like I'm older, I'm settled down, I want this, I need this because um I don't got time to play games, but they kind of forget the identity of independentness because it's like I get that you are trying to establish and trying to get to this point, but. It's like a lost art of knowing who you are as a person because y'all so pushed upon y'all so heavy on the emphasis of the romanticism of the togetherness and not really giving air and light for the solitude and personal growth aspect of being two different people. You know what I'm saying? Y'all have a likeness, but y'all don't identify as the same, you know? If that makes sense, I don't know, but I'm gonna go deep into that because that 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 really highlighted a talking point I needed to get into. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a different episode on that. Oh, another point is mutual encouragement. So encouraging each other's efforts to become better individuals while providing emotional support along the way. Um, just you know, being able to root for somebody and not necessarily be in the way. 
you know, helping them, encouraging them and not having to push them to do something that they don't want to do or not ready for. Another point is just basically planning self-care together. So planning self-care activities that you can enjoy individually or as a couple. And it creates more harmonious blends of both worlds. But remember, a healthy partnership involves individuals who continue to grow and evolve. By supporting each other's personal growth and care and self-care, you can not only enhance your own well-beings, but also contribute to the overall strength and vitality. In, in my bad. You can contribute to the overall strength and versatility of your relationship. I'm getting tongue twisted. I need water. I don't be drinking when I be doing these podcasts. I need to start drinking water, but whatever. I also want to get into, this is going to really be my last talking point because this episode is really longer than what I needed to be. I'm trying to give y'all shorter content, but I'll be having a lot of stuff that I research and dig into that I want to share with you. So I'm trying to give it to you the best way I know how. So let's talk about the significance of building a strong network outside of the relationship. So building a strong network outside of the relationship is of immense significance for the overall personal well-being and overall health of the partnership. And here's why it's essential. For number one, I would say diversifying support. Relying solely on your partner for support can put an overdue or better yet an underdue pressure on the relationship. A strong external network can encourage you to have multiple sources of support. Number two, varied perspectives. So friends, family and mentors can offer a diversified viewpoint and advice that can provide value, insight during challenges. Reducing dependency. An overall well-being support network can prevent excessive emotional dependency on your partner, maintaining a healthy level of independency. Number four, sharing burdens. So sharing your struggles with others lightens the emotional load on your partner, fostering a balance and a manageable dynamic. Another is accessing specialized help. Different people and your support network can offer expertise in various areas, such as career advice, mental health, or hobbies. Number six is preventing isolation. So relationships can be consuming, and an external network provides isolate. Well, not provides. It prevents isolation and encourages you to remain connected with the broader world. Number seven, I got strengthening confidence. So external support provides a confidence boost, knowing that you have a network that provides and believes in you and your capability. Number eight, healthy outlets. Friends and families outside of the relationship offer healthy outlets for stress relief and personal enjoyment. Number nine, growth and learning. Interacting with a various... Ooh, my bad, y'all. Getting tongue twisted. <laughs> so interacting with a ver- a variety of people promotes personal growth, learning, and exposure to different lifestyles and cultures. Number 10, balancing priorities. 
Juggling a relationship, work, and personal commitments can become easier when you have support from various quarters. So let's talk about how to build external support networks. Well, number one, we can cultivate friendships. Invest time in nurturing friendships that align with your interests, values, and aspirations. Number two, maintain family ties. So stay connected with your family members who offer unconditional love and a sense of belonging. Number three, join communities. So participate in clubs, groups, online communities that related into hobbies and interests or personal growth goals. <laughs> I ain't said it right. Personal growth goals that align with you. Number four, networking. Pers- professional networking to expand your connections and gain insight from peers and mentors. Number five, supportive colleagues. Fostering, po- why well, I'm getting so tongue twisted, y'all. Fostering positive relationships at work can create supportive environments beyond your personal life. Therapeutic support. Engage with individual therapy or support groups to connect with other facing similar challenges. Number seven, volunteer activities. Engage in volunteer work to meet like-minded individuals and contribute to the causes you care about. Another is online connections. So utilizing social media and other platforms to connect with people who share your passion. Another is balanced social life. Prioritizing spending time with your friends and engaging in social activities that rejuvenate you. Number 10, which is my last one, is basically give and receive. So this is where you like build a support network that involves both giving and receiving support. Be there for others as they are there for you. Now, a strong external network enriches your life by offering a diverse range of connections, resources, and opportunities. It's basically a component that strengthens your relationship and contributes to your holistic well-being. But you got to want to do it, though. Uh, Another point I want to bring in is just basically encouraging individuals to seek support from friends, families, support groups, or even online communities. So when you seek in support from these various sources, it is a powerful and proactive step towards maintaining your well-being and navigating your life's challenges. But here's why and how you can seek support from friends, family, and support groups, and even online communities. The Number one, the importance of seeking support. Shared understanding. Friends, family, and like-minded communities offer understanding as they may have different experiences they all have similar situations and emotion or emotions to what you care about or focused on number two emotional release sharing your feelings with others provides a healthy outlet for your emotions preventing emotional preventing you from emotionally bottling up number three varied perspective so different people offer diverse viewpoints and insights, helping you see situations from different angles. Number four is basically validation. So like when you seek your support, it validates your feelings and experiences. 
and remain it reminds you <laughs> let's say remains reminds you that you're not alone in your struggles you know and another point is basically stress relief so like when you're talking to well not even talking to like when you're talking about your challenges it can alleviate stress and anxiety promoting more mental and emotional health what better mental and emotional health and the last one I want to make on that is basically problem solving. So, like, support networks can offer a practical advice and solutions to tackle problems effectively. Now, how do we seek this support? Easy. Your number one and the most accessible one that you can even go to and have, or you should, friends and family. So, reaching out to the close friends and family members who are empathetic and willing to listen. Keyword, empathetic and willing to listen. So just because they have a role in your life don't mean they need to be in that spot of it or part of it. If you know they're not empathetic and willing to listen, those two are very vital. Share your thoughts, feelings, and concerns openly with them, though. Number two, support groups. Join support groups related to your specific challenge or interest. These these groups can provide a safe space to connect with others who understand your situation. Online communities engage with online platforms, forums and social media groups that focus on topics relative to your need. These digital spaces offer an autonomy and convenience. Number five, listen and share. So in support groups and online communities, actively listen to others' story and share your own experience. This reciprocal interaction creates a strong bond. Number six, boundaries. So while seeking support groups, remember to set boundaries and only share what you're comfortable discussing. So... I know how sometimes like whenever you meet in a new group of people or you're in new places and you're not really that much of an open person or you just feel so um, worried about sharing your information that you don't want to give so much. Well, a healthy suggestion to do is just give the basics. And then once you see people can handle that or even are willing and really interested investing in you, that's when you give a little bit more. So a simple a simple one you can do is give your name. And give something you like. And then once you give them something you like, then give them something you dislike. So, for example, with me, I'm going to go. My name is Brandon, and I like to relax. All right, cool. It was basic, and I just gave you something I like while giving you in-depth. But if I'm in a support group, this is how I would switch it up and make it be a little bit more detailed of. But then also, it's still basic. Hey, my name is Brandon. And I like being at home laying in my bed. See how it was a little bit more detail of and I gave you a little bit more insight into my life while it was still basic. And I watch how I switch it up and I'm going to do that same thing. But I'm going to give you something that I dislike to give you that much more of a personal touch. It's still a basic dislike as well as the like, but it's just giving people more insight. All right, <clears throat> here we go. My name is Brandon and I like to go home. And just lay in my bed. But I also dislike to be in situations like this where I have to openly share my feelings. See how I gave you a little bit of me and it felt like you know a little bit more about me and my character? That's what you do. 
give a basic like with a little bit more detail and give a basic dislike. And you can give a little bit more detail in that once, you know, you feel more comfortable. Well, if you need more helps and tools, I, I'm always here. Just DM me. All right. So number seven, professional resources. I'll say it again. Professional resources. Consider seeking support from a mental health professionals, therapists, counselors, especially for more complex and sensitive issues. Number eight, community events. So attending local workshops, seminars, events related to your field of interest. This provides opportunities to connect with like-minded individuals. Now, if you don't know how to do this or if you're new to something like this, there are apps called like Eventbrite. You can go in there, download the app, like literally download the app, type in what you're interested in seeing or going to, and they'll give you legit free events to events that may cost a little bit of change. Or if you don't want to go to something like that, you can go hit up some workshops. But those workshops, all you have to do is basically go online. Listen to what I'm saying. Like literally go online, click in community work or volunteer work in dot, dot, dot your area. But do it on your um, laptop or computer. But if you don't, you can use your phone. I find it more useful for me to use it on a laptop or a computer versus my phone because my phone, I'm not going to give it that much focus and I'm not going to be that detailed in my reading. And you want to be detailed in your reading because you don't want to go shop at a place thinking it's one thing and it's not. So, yeah. Another is give back. So So as you receive support, Offer support to others as well. This creates a sense of reciprocity and community. I'll be getting tongue twisted on that word. Reciprocity and community. (laughs) And the last point I want to make is self-care. While seeking support from others, also prioritize self-care activities that rejuvenate you and promote your well-being. Remember that seeking support is a sign of strength, not weakness. It takes courage to open up and ask for help. It really do. And by seeking support from your friends, your family, support groups, and even online communities, you're taking the productivity steps towards new, new, getting tongue twisted, y'all, towards nourishing your emotional and mental health and building a network of understanding and caring individuals. I hope this information and the stuff I gave you was good. And I hope that you have really sat down and take some notes because it does you no service to listen to this podcast and not take notes because I give you guys good information. Like legit, I review half of my episodes I give in to because like even though I'm doing the research and I'm and I'm learning this stuff, it slips my mind sometimes. Or sometimes I get into emotional spots where it's like I'm so reactive because like, damn, I, I I had time. But that's just a part of growth and development. I'm not re- re- reactive all the time, but sometimes, you know, shit happens. <laughs> shit happens. But um, I just want to let you know I love and appreciate each and every one of you. I thank you for listening this long or even making it to this part of the show. And um, also, if you want to get some free dough or better yet, you want to get a shout out, you got to do what I has mentioned in my last episode. So right now I'm offering people an opportunity to get some cash in their pocket. But the way you got to do it, I got to see you comment, 
something on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, or I got to see you rate us on Spotify or whatever the listening platform you're listening to us on. DM me a picture and, you know, you're going to get some cash in your pocket. Right now, I done had like four or five people that did it. So I'm going to go shout them out real quick. Rebecca B., uh, she shouted me out on Apple Podcasts. Um, also we got what is it? What his name is? Underscore B two shiny. I whatever. Um, he shouted me out on Spotify. That my dog. I sent him some cash. Um, the names y'all be coming up with. I cannot read this. Uh. Been about flexing. You, I can tell you, oh, I can tell you, no, no, no shade, but I can tell you, oh. But anyway, I said, so cash, too. He had, um, he shot me out on Spotify, too. He shot me out on Spotify and he had, um, rated us on Spotify. So, um, yeah, those people getting cash, man. Like, get the money in your pocket. Um, and you never know. I might even let you come on the show, Mike. Uh, so yeah, keep sharing us, keep uh, building a community and also take what you learn and share it with somebody else. Like, Hey, you know, I was listening to the issue podcast and, you know, Brandon was giving me game on this and it really helped me reevaluate how I should approach relationships or how I should approach people or my, even myself, in my personal development. But as I always say, love, peace and hair grease. Hold up, hold up before I dip, before I dip. Um, I really want you to not just listen to these podcasts and these episodes. And I'm saying it like this at this end of this this episode because it's really hitting me in my spirit. And you, my family, even if I'd never met you or even if we never had a personal conversation, with you listening and taking the opportunity to share with me or even hear from me, you're my family. And I want you to know that you can do it and you will make it. So despite how you may feel or despite how people in situations have you feeling right now through God, through your faith and your hard work, you will make it. I love you. I care about you. And I speak life over you when the world is trying to make you see nothing but death. It's your boy, Brandon Alexander. Love, peace, hair grease. I'm out. I'll see you next time.